0: Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. We know the story of Adam and Eve. God created them. They were with God in the Garden of Eden in relationship. God walked with them in the Garden, talking to them, teaching them, sharing his feelings with them. What a wonderful situation. But unfortunately, we know that relationship came to an end because of sin. Now, we, since we have been restored from our sin by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, our sins have been forgiven. And we now are offered the opportunity to grow in relationship with God himself. God wants to have the same relationship with us that he had with Adam and Eve initially. But unfortunately, sin separated Adam and Eve from God, and sin had in the past separated us from God. You know, that's what sin does to you. That's what happened when Adam and Eve, you know, one day they're walking with God in the garden and the next day after their sin, they're hiding from God with shame. Their relationship with God ended by their own actions. But you know, God continued to be available to them as he was with us. As it says here in Colossians 1 verse 21, Paul writing here, he says to us, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, Because of your evil behavior. So what initially, you know, in our life separated us from God? Notice he doesn't say here that you were really separated from God. You were separated from God and became enemies with God in your minds. God was always there. He was always available. But sin darkened our minds and darkened the way we view God. We thought God hated us, but he didn't. He loved us so much that he sent his son to this earth to fix that situation. Jesus died for our sins. He took our place in paying the penalty for sin. He was our substitute in that regard. And God was available to us all along. But we were darkened. There was a veil in front of our eyes. But God was there. All we needed to do was turn to him. So now that Jesus paid our price, God wants us to turn to him with all our being, to to seek a deep relationship with him. And uh, we're going to learn about exactly how to do that, now that we have the freedom to do that again. Your desire to know God better brings joy to God's heart. So you see, we're baptized, we become Christians, it's not just a title that we have. It involves relationship, and we all have relationships in our lives. I've got a wonderful relationship with my wife, and we're over 40 years together as husband and wife. And we have a relationship that started when we first met, and we both had to put effort into that relationship for it to grow it's very similar to our relationship with God. It's good that we have relationships because we learn through our physical relationships what our relationship with God should be like. So if this brings joy to God's heart, let's pursue it with everything we've got. Amen. I've got five points for you. How do we get to know God better? First of all, we get to know God better through prayer. And what is prayer? It's conversation conversation. That's vital for the growth of any relationship, even with God. When I first met my wife, we talked a lot. You know, we talked on the phone. We, we lived a long distance away. I lived in Cleveland. She lived on Madison and the Lake. So it was about a 40 mile drive each way when we wanted to go on a date. So I put a lot of miles on the car. <laughs> but we talked. We talked when we went out on dates. We talked over the phone, we wrote letters to to one another. It was all about communication. I wanted to learn everything there was to know about her, how she felt about things, what her personality was like, what her character was like. She felt the same thing about me. She wanted to know about me and learn everything there was to know about me. So prayer with God, it means talking to God. And there's all sorts of different kinds of prayers. When we come to church, we involve ourselves in corporate prayer. We're praying as a group and that's a good thing. I think there's power in prayer and there's certainly power in corporate prayer when we're all praying the same thing at the same time. There are memorized prayers. We all know how to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We were taught that from a very early age. There are prayers in the Bible. You know, Jesus, when he was in the garden, just before his crucifixion, what did he do? He prayed to the Father. That prayer is recorded. Most all the Psalms are songs or prayers. Sometimes when you want to pray to God, you could just read through a psalm, meditate on it a little bit. What does it mean for you personally? So there are all different types of prayers that we can lift up to God. But I think some of the most important are the personal prayers, just between you and God. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. So I think some of the most important prayers that we lift up, focusing on our relationship with God, is the personal prayers. And we all have things to pray about. You know, sometimes we ask God for certain things, maybe for healing. We should praise God, you know, and uh, worship Him in our prayers and ask Him for help in, in our prayers. Ask Him, you know, to answer some of your Bible questions or whatever the case may be. There are many ways to pray and many types of prayer, but the important thing to know and remember is that praying is merely talking to God. It's that communication. It's a conversation, just like you have with anyone that you have a relationship with. Whenever you pray, are you sure that God hears you? God hears every prayer. It says in 1 Peter 3, verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Now, sometimes we lift up good prayers, and sometimes we lift up maybe self-centered prayers, God hears them all. And maybe if our prayers are not quite right, he'll help us to understand where we need to grow in our prayer life. And we listen for God's answer, too. There have been prayers that I've lifted up that I've gotten a pretty quick answer to. I didn't audibly hear God's voice, but his thoughts, he impressed on my mind. And I got the point right away. (laughs) He answered the prayer. Sometimes he'll answer our prayer in other ways. It might take a while. He might want us to just dwell on it and uh, focus on it a little bit and ask ourselves, is this the right thing to ask for? Am I self-centered in praying this? Or, you know, answers do come. It also says in Colossians 4, verse 2, devote yourself to prayer. To be devoted to something means you're going to focus on it a lot. And you're going to expend a lot of time and energy on it. So there are so many distractions around us. When I you know, read through some of the Psalms and what David wrote, he was a, a shepherd, uh, later became a king, but all those nights that he spent out on the the fields with his sheep. He had a lot of time to just gaze up into the sky and think about God and think about God's creation and offer prayers to God in that regard. Our lives are so confused and so filled with distractions, we have to make a real effort to talk to God. We have to be focused on it. Don't limit yourself to prayer at a certain time and place. If you do that, that's that's fine. You know, maybe it's the first thing you do in the morning. Wonderful. or the last thing you do before you go to bed at night. Wonderful. You've got a place and a time you like to be outside, whatever the case may be. Whatever your approach is, you know, it's not just limited to that. You can pray any time. You can even pray while you're driving. If you'd like to, if you've got a lot of spare time. We're told in the Bible to be instant in prayer. Be instant in prayer. You can pray any time. I like to, which I never used to do years ago, but uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Jim Barton and Pastor Jonathan Moore, my amigos in the area here, fellow pastors, I've learned from their example to be instant in prayer. You're talking to somebody and they're expressing concern with you about what they're going through in their life. You just say, right in the middle of the conversation, is it okay if I pray about that for you? Or can I pray with you? And just break right into the middle of the conversation to lift up a prayer to God. Be instant in prayer. Any relationship worth having must be based on regular communication. So I don't know how many times it's happened to me that I'm having troubles. Things are not going well. And I think to myself, okay, when was was the last time I prayed now? Well, it's been a few days. I better get back on the ball. I want that relationship with God to be intimate. I want Him to know what's on my mind, and He's gonna share with me what's on His mind. So the first way to get to know God better in your relationship is regular communication, prayer. Number two, get to know God through His Word. We've all heard that before. Get to know God through His Word. Reading the Bible is another way to get to know God better. God went through a lot of effort to prepare this book for us. 35 different authors over the course of 4,000 years. That's what's included in this book. 35 authors over the course of 4,000 years. And it's the story of God dealing with the human race with one major theme from the beginning to the end. Salvation through Jesus Christ you pick up on that story from the book of Genesis, all the way through the book of Revelation. It's obvious that this book was inspired because these 35 authors over the course of 4,000 years could in no way come up with the same theme throughout. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit, a wonderful tool. And if you understand what individuals had to go through to preserve this book, I've mentioned before, there was a beautiful uh, spot down in uh, Florida, but what town was that? Orlando. I, it was called Bible Land. You can see it from the freeway as you drive by. It's not open anymore, unfortunately. COVID you know, caused it to go out of business. But you drive by and you see little glimpses of the Jerusalem temple from the freeway. <laughs> And we made the decision to go there one time and it was really a fascinating place. They had all all built up just like Jerusalem in Jesus' day and they would have actors dressed as people in Jesus' day uh, put on different, very short plays. One man dressed up like Jesus and it also did the crucifixion, but it would have Jesus speaking from uh, the mount, uh, giving the Sermon on the Mount. And and other episodes and things like that. One section of it, though, well, they had a restaurant that served food from Jesus' day, which was interesting and fascinating, and you could eat it there. It was all ingredients from Jesus' day. But they had a place on the history of the Bible. And you walk through this building, and it had actually some very ancient Bibles there. And the stories of all the men and women, for that matter, who were involved in preserving the Bible, because throughout history, attempts were made to destroy the Bible, to burn all Bibles. And you read about the people who were martyrs who gave their lives to preserve this story, God's revelation. And it just makes you have more of a respect for it and not to take it for granted. and. you know, we have outreaches where we're sending Bibles to other parts of the world. People who don't have the Bible translated into their language. And uh, there are organizations who have the goal of having the Bible available in all languages, even the, the little known languages in distant parts of the world. So I don't know about you, but I probably have eight or 10 Bibles sitting in my office. <laughs> But they don't do you any good if you don't read them. And you get to know God better by reading this book because this book is all about God's personality. It's about his dealings with the human race over thousands of years. It's a picture that we, it's like looking at a computer screen and bringing up pictures, bringing up the story of what has happened throughout history with the spread of the gospel and so on. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3. And Paul here informs Timothy about Bible study and why the Bible is so important. Second Timothy 3 and verse 14. Timothy was a younger evangelist. Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed. Another phrase for inspired. It's like God's breath Coming into the word, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Timothy believed that the Bible was God's word. Paul knew that the Bible was God's word. We should know that the Bible is God's word. In this book is everything one needs for salvation. You know, we always are seeking more information. What about this? What about that? It's all here. (laughs) This is all you need. You know, God could have written scores and scores of books and thousands of books, including all the knowledge that there is to know. But he made it simple. He gave us the short version. (laughs) You might think, short version? That's pretty long. It's the short version. All you need to know to be saved is in that book. So be familiar with it. You'll learn a lot about God by reading that over. How do I read the Bible? Some people like to start from the beginning and go all the way to the end. That's one way of doing it. I like to research different subjects. You know, what does the Bible say about baptism? What, is, what are the miracles that Jesus performed? You know, if you have a Bible like mine, it has headings. It has a chapter, then it'll say, here's the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Here's where Jesus predicts his death. You know, read different segments, different sections. Uh, There are other books that you can use as well. There are uh, a study Bible. Uh, My other Bible at home that I use all the time is a study Bible, it's got margins with extra information in the margins and it pertains to different scriptures that you're reading. So there are a lot of different uh, helps as well. So when you read this book, your relationship with God is gonna grow closer. As I said, you can read prayers out of here and just read them right from the book of Psalms. This book contains everything that God reveals about himself and we wouldn't know anything about God if he hadn't revealed it and had it recorded in this book all the knowledge necessary for salvation. So to deepen your relationship with God, talk to Him on a regular basis, read His Word and get to know it. Point number three, get to know God through the Holy Spirit. And I'll explain to you why the Holy Spirit is so important. John 14 in verse 15, after Jesus ascended back to heaven, It was no longer a matter of the Son of God physically walking on this earth with his 12 apostles. It was going to go into the next phase. Jesus was going to go back to heaven, and now it was going to be the Holy Spirit dwelling in believers, not just Jesus walking with men. Jesus was at one place at one time. He was limited because he had a human body, fully God and fully man. He was going to leave, and the next stage of salvation was going to be the Holy Spirit coming. Now, the Holy Spirit had the capability not just to walk with people, but to dwell in people. So that's the case with all of us now. We who have been saved have the Holy Spirit, as Jesus said here in John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Somebody that's going to take my place here on earth. To be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, the spirit, for he lives with you and will be in you. And of course, that started on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit arrived and dwelt in believers. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Notice in uh, verse 25. All this, Jesus says, I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. So you don't think the Holy Spirit is important? The Holy Spirit is here with us right now. He's opening your minds to take in what we're reading and what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit's working with me to deliver this message. He's worked with me this past week to prepare this message. He is very involved. In fact, the Holy Spirit is vital to be with us. Okay? So, now that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, he testifies with our spirit. You know, we all have a spirit in us. We have a physical human body, but there's another spiritual part of us. The spirit in man, it's called, but it's the way that God connects with us, with our spirit. Notice what it says in Romans 10, verse 17. Romans 10 and verse 17. Paul says here, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Okay. It would be nice if I turn to actually chapter 8. Romans 8, verse 9 look there. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by this spirit. So since the Holy Spirit came to dwell in us, we don't need tablets of stone with God's law any longer. What we have is something much better. We have the spirit of God who dwells in us and directs us from within. That's why when you read the New Testament, you don't see New Testament commandments. God has given us something much better, the spirit himself to dwell in us. He says, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if this spirit, the Holy Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. We don't want to do that anymore. But he goes on to say in verse 15, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him, that is by the Holy Spirit, we cry, Abba. Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So how do we believe that we're God's children? The Holy Spirit in us makes a connection with our human spirit, the spirit of man or the spirit of woman that is in us, that these things are true. And it gives us assurance, It gives us confidence. That's the Holy Spirit in us, making that connection. That's why it was sent to us, to give us that faith and that confidence that the things God says are indeed true, and they apply to us personally. You know, some Christians might say, Well, I don't know if I'm good enough to receive these blessings from God and to receive eternal life. You are. It's a promise from God. And the Holy Spirit makes that connection with our spirit in us. It's not a physical spirit. It's a spiritual thing that these things are true so that we can have confidence and assurance. So we do get to know God more closely by the Holy Spirit. He brings these truths to us and helps us to understand them. Point number four, we get to know God more intimately through hearing. Hearing. You know, a lot of people, even Christians, have some crazy ideas about God. And believe me, I've been a pastor for over 40 years now. And from time to time, you know, in talking to certain individuals, they say, well, you know, Pastor, I think God is like this and God is like that. And I think, well, that's a unique (laughs) idea. I've never heard that before. How do we know what we believe is true? Well, we have it reinforced, as what is happening right now, by hearing. We hear God's word preached and we hear God's word explained by fellow Christians or by pastors who have been trained, who have experience in teaching these things, who are trusted because people know that what they're teaching is true and biblical we get to know God by hearing. And it's a good thing that we come together to hear God's word preached. Because we're all hearing it together. You know what, if we have questions, we can ask questions. We can talk further after services with the pastor or with other believers and get further information or get further clarification. It says in Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you might think, well, this is kind of crazy. We get together every Sunday afternoon and read out of this book again. <laughs> Pastor, why don't you talk about sports or talk about uh, you know, whatever's going on in the world? Well, sometimes we do talk about that sort of thing. But every sermon is based on the Word of God. And we have to hear it, repeat it over and over again. I don't know how many times I've heard a sermon on communion I've heard a sermon on heaven, I've heard a sermon on the meaning of death, and that's fine. I need to hear these things over and over again to be reminded and to rehearse these things. There's not a one of us who can say, well, I know it all. (laughs) I don't need to go to church because I know it all. Well, I would have my doubts about that attitude. When I first set out to read the Bible, I quickly realized, this was in my late teens, I quickly realized that most of it was going over my head. I saw the need to be taught by ministers who were trained in the Christ-centered gospel. I remember one who would always say, don't believe me, but blow the dust off your own Bible and read it for yourself. So I needed that kind of help. I needed to be reassured that what I was reading, I understood it right. I didn't want to make any mistakes." And you know what? Sometimes in the case of one particular pastor or other pastors over the series of your lifetime, you get to trust that person. You've heard him preach many times. He turns to the scripture. He asks you to turn to it too. He reads it. You read it. He explains what it means and he gets to the point that you have trust. This guy isn't you know, off the deep end or crazy. He's preaching the word. So we get to know God through hearing. And finally, point number five. We get to know God better through fellowship with other Christians. That's why God instituted the church. It's important that we be here. It's important that you become part of a fellowship, a part of a church. There's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. Oh, I don't need church. I don't need to talk to anybody else. I read my Bible and I'm sure I've got it made. Well, then why did God institute the church? Why is the church called the very body of Christ? There's a purpose, an important purpose for the church and that we belong to it. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, Hebrews 10 verse 25, we're familiar with this verse, we've heard it many times. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day, capital D, what day is that? The day of Christ's return. Especially as you see the day approaching. So it's more vital that we're part of the church now than ever. Well, it's always been vital, but even more so now as we see the end approaching. So don't give up meeting together. You know, we've got some people who put forth a magnificent effort to be here with us. She's not here now, Isabel Huber. She's 94 years old. And every day she wakes up. She doesn't know what she's going to be capable of doing. And she's been going through a spell where she just does not have the strength or the energy. I remember when I was serving in the Pittsburgh area years and years ago, there was a man there who every week without fail, was wheeled in to church on a gurney because he was a quadriplegic, not a quadriplegic, but he was unable to use his legs or his arms. So there's no way he could drive. But he was determined to be there every week. And he had a loyal few people close to him who would help him, transport him every week. And if you went up to talk to him, it was hard because he was on his back before and after services and during services. And they would position him in the back so he could hear everything that happened at, at church and at services. What an effort people were willing to put forth to be at church because they knew the importance of it. And you know, I always felt kind of ashamed if I had the attitude, you know, one morning, oh, it feels so good to stay in bed today. (laughs) And maybe I was up too late last night and, you know, doing too much and I didn't get enough rest last night. And wouldn't it be nice just to stay in bed? And I thought, well, shame on me, because I remember the examples of some of those people who put forth a a maximum effort to be there. A great way to get to know God better is by not only attending church, but talking, fellowshipping with the other people who were there, Uh, sharing your faith, hearing other people's stories. We always used to enjoy uh, the story of how somebody was called. We would say, how were you called? How did you first find out about God and how did you grow and develop in your relationship with God? And those stories are interesting. Those stories are inspiring and sometimes we get to share our own personal story too. But a great way to know God better is by talking about your faith with other believers. Talk through the hard things, ask questions, encourage one another, share experiences together. In this way, we are a blessing to each other. Do you ever think when you come here, these people here are a blessing to me. I'm glad I know them. I'm glad I have the opportunity to meet with them on a weekly basis. And you are a blessing to everybody else. You know, when you're getting ready to go to church, you don't just think about, oh, I don't know what's gonna happen there today and think, What am I bringing to church? Not just what others are going to bring here. What am I bringing to church? Why is it important for me to be there? And I've heard people say so many times over the years, you know, I really almost didn't come to church today. But I'm glad I did. Because the message was just what I needed to hear. And I think, you know, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And sometimes when you don't feel like going to church that day, that is the one day that you need to be there. Because I'm sure that Satan tries to put roadblocks in our way, because perhaps he knows what's going to be preached. And he knows how much you need to hear that. And he's going to put detours and roadblocks in your way. When we walk out our faith together in this life, through the ups and downs, it binds us together and god is all about unity he wants unity in the church father son and holy spirit have been unified for all time and will continue to be and we're drawn into that unity when we become christians i don't know about you but there's not too many places i can talk about my faith i can't talk about my faith to my family it just is too uncomfortable for them and I would almost become offensive to them if I started talking about God at a family gathering. And a lot of people maybe that you work with or in different groups with, it's very difficult. When I come here, I feel totally free to talk about my faith, to talk about my God and how good he is, how wonderful he is, what he's done in my life. That's unique. We are unique with each other. Same spirit here. And we share that spirit with each other. Finally, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, we're told, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. So I say the same thing to you. Any given week when you're not here, you are missed. You really are. And we all say, oh, Joe's not here today. Is he okay? Has has anybody heard anything? Not to gossip, but maybe to pray for him if there is a need. And when you are not here, there's a hole here (laughs) that we like you to fill when you're here because it's not the same without you. And that's not just a cliche. That is real and from the heart. So we are told to encourage one another. And how do we do that? In fellowship before services, after services. We're a very vocal group with each other. We love to talk. We provide a means for all of us to stay afterwards and not just talk, but eat too, which is a double blessing. So what did we talk about here today? Get to know God through prayer, through talking with him, get to know God through his word, get to know God through his Holy Spirit, get to know God through hearing, get to know God through fellowship with other Christians. One last thing. All these things require effort. They require effort. You have to make an effort to do these things. Just as when I met my wife before we got married, we had to both put forth effort to develop our relationship, to cause it to grow and to become closer. Effort. So you have to be willing, first and foremost, to put forth effort. But isn't this why we're here? To grow deeper in relationship with the God we're going to spend eternity with. We're learning to know him right now, to appreciate him, to love him. That's why these things are called spiritual disciplines. You have to discipline yourself, just like anything you enjoy doing in your life. What do you enjoy doing? Working on your car, cooking in your kitchen, uh, whatever. It requires a discipline. You've got to set aside time to do these things because you like them, you enjoy them, they make you feel uh, relaxed. Well, that's what our relationship with God should do for us too. So be willing to put forth effort, discipline in your life, because these things are important. I would say they're vital. I would say it's the most important thing in your life right now, your relationship with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for reminding us of these things. Most of us have been around a while and we've heard them before, but we need to be reminded of them, especially, as the scripture said, as we see the day approaching. So, Father, renew us. Help us to put forth that effort, to discipline, to set aside that time, and to focus on these things and and do them right, not just haphazardly. You deserve it, Father. You're worth it. You've called us. You've brought us from death to life. So help us to respond in the right way now by getting to know you more deeply. And we know you're doing it from your end. Help us to do it from our end. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.